Welcome to Life on Less Meds, a podcast that reveals the truth about drug side effects and the best strategies to manage them. And now your host, Dr. Yosef Wittering. Hi, I'm Dr. Yosef Wittering, and I want to just add a disclaimer at the start of this video about the realness of PSSD. So you're about to hear from a woman who's suffering from this condition, and it has absolutely ruined her life, essentially. And this is a real condition. I know a lot of you may not have heard about it before, but over the last couple of years, it's entered the labeling for all the SSRIs and the SNRIs in the European Union and in Canada. So this is a late-breaking side effect, um, which has only recently gained recognition. I hope you find her story interesting um, because uh, there's not a lot out there, you know, in this format of interviews. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, I'm Dr. Yosef with During, and it's my pleasure to have uh, Rosie here today who's going to be talking about PSSD, post-SSRI sexual dysfunction. Um, It's a condition that she developed, and there's something that's all the more shocking about her story is that, um, you know, when she interacted with the mental health system, uh, you know, they really didn't believe her and almost, and and essentially they threatened to send her into a psychiatric hospital on an involuntary uh, basis unless she agreed to take medications, which is really messed up. Um, The other thing that I love about Rosie is she also hails from my neck of the woods. So I hope you're uh, excited for some Australian accents. So Rosie, welcome. Thanks for coming on and uh, please go ahead. Tell us what happened to you. Thank you for having me on here. So my story. Um, Basically, if we're going in chronological order, mm-hmm. I just want to backtrack to like 2017. I have always had like OCD. I feel like it's kind of a part of my personality. But anyway, in 2017, I was in my final year of high school. It got really, really bad. And I was given fluvoxamine. And I just want to say like straight up, I took that drug for six weeks and I did not develop PSSD. I didn't have side effects. I didn't have any issues with it at all. Took it. It did nothing and I just thought like it was like just like a placebo. So I just kind of forgot to take it. And I was just <laughs> like, oh, I was not doing anything. Like, you just kind of forget because I was just like, oh, whatever. And I ended up seeing a psychologist and really like pulling myself out of that. And I would say like, I hate to say that I'm like cured from OCD and anxiety because I feel like these things are just like, they just are going to come up. Like they never fully go away. But yeah, I managed to completely like recover. Um, and then fast forward obviously I'm from Australia and like the Melbourne lockdowns were horrific. So I just missed my friends. I couldn't do anything. I just was not coping at all. So then I was encouraged to take, um, and this was, I had like some depression, anxiety, just like what everyone had during, during Mm -hmm. that period. Um, I just felt extremely isolated. I was encouraged to take Lexapro I was told that it's the best one and it's the one that all the young kids are on. Like, it's mm. really weird now that I look back at that. And it's like that's like, how, like your doctor said, you know, it's like all, all the young people are taking this. This is the best one, like kind of that. I think not so much my doctor, but it's just like even just people around, like people around me being like, oh, you know, you got to get on Lexapro. Like, like it's just such a colloquial like thing to do. Like it's just such a it's just become like such a normalized thing. So I was just like, oh, okay, like I, it's, I didn't it's want crazy. To yeah. I mean, yeah. it's really entered, entered into the culture. And I mean, <laughs> you know, the, all of this, you know, fighting, you know, let's fight the stigma of mental health, which is all well and true. But along with that, you know, they kind of shove in the idea of, you know, these drugs, you know, they're, they're safe for everyone and, you know, don't even hesitate and just go for it. It's this kind of 
cheerleading mm-hmm. people onto medications. Um, yeah, like yeah. there's there's um there's even like hashtags on TikTok of like live laugh Lexapro and like oh, uh, yeah, yeah yeah like the yeah. stuff that a lot of like I would say I would say like young girls would probably come up with it if anything or like even like yeah hashtag Lexa hose. Yeah, it's so disturbing. Yeah, yeah. Like I, yeah. I don't think like yeah. yeah. It's so I was just like, oh well, a lot of people take this like it's must be safe. I didn't want to be on anything. I was really against taking meds because first of all, the first one didn't work, and also I just, I just was like, I've I've come out of this before. Like I don't need, I don't need like this medication. I've had a really hard time before I come out of it. Like like I just was not coping though with the lockdowns. I was just getting dragged and dragged and dragged. And then, yeah, I had like heaps of people like shout their positive experience at me. So I was like, yeah, well, it must be like, you know, that's, it must be really helpful. And then I just innocently went to the doctor and he put me on Lexapro within, I'm not even joking, like half an hour after taking that first pill, I knew something was wrong. Like it just, the, the way I can, exp- like, and I use this, analogy to explain this emotional bonding that I experienced like almost within yeah an hour of taking it probably do you have like those apple air airpod headphones that have the noise cancelling setting yeah yeah that's exactly what this emotional bonding was like it was just like and then everything just went like I just lost the atmosphere of the room it's like not depression at all it was just like this complete like blunting of my atmosphere and I, I just thought like oh, this is, like, great. Like, I don't have anxiety. But then I was mm-hmm. just, I think, like, I was like, oh, hang on. I don't have anything else. Like, I can't I can't function like this. And it's essentially been like that ever since. Like, I've just never really come out of that. Like, it's just, it was just like, it just, something just, like, blunted my whole brain. Went back to the doctor. Well, he was a psychiatrist and he was just like, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I I have, like, I have no sex drive. I am like literally unable to orgasm. I can't feel my like private parts. Like, I, like this is like, you know, is this going to go away? And he was like, yeah, yeah. Like after eight weeks, like people, people will like level out. They pop up. I don't know all these terms he was using, and I was just like, okay. So I was just so like, he was oh. pretty much saying like stick with it. You know, like you know, you'll get yeah. used to it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He was like stick with it. It'll it'll go away. People have this at the start. So I was like sitting there and he has like all his like credentials on the wall, like Melbourne mm-hmm. university, like, you know, all of the. Sure. Of the, yeah. So I was just like, I was like, this guy like knows what he's doing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to put my trust in this, this, he was very professional as well. Um, and then I went back and I was like, okay, this is like, I'm a resilient person, but this is not normal. Like what I'm experiencing, my ears are like ringing. I've got like really high pitched ringing in my ears my vision is covered in static. It's just covered in shit. Like there's like little silver lines everywhere. My motion, like every, everything just was just completely off. Like it was like I've been like drugged, which I had, but obviously like it felt like a lot more than like something that would be like a fun. That's crazy, thing. you know, and, and so you had, I mean, that static that you're describing is visual snow, which is a, yeah. a pretty severe side effect of the medications, which is not normal. You know, it's it's not something if someone was experiencing, you'd tell them that it would go away in a couple of weeks. I mean, if you heard that, you'd say, uh, yeah, stop the drug and let's get you in to see a neurologist. That's, I mean. No, it was yeah. just like, oh, that's everything. I went, I was like, you know, I, I have no sex. Oh, yeah, that's normal. And I was like, yeah. I have no emotions. Oh, yeah, that's normal. And it's like, yeah. I have visual snow. Yeah, that's normal. And it's like, all right, 
<laughs> like, I was just like yeah. going with his opinion because that's what we're told to do, like, is to put your trust in. And everyone kept saying to me, like, my family, my friends, trust the professionals, trust the professionals. But I was just like, mm, yeah, I don't know, something's really not right, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to stick it out. Um, and then basically I went back to him and he basically was like, he, this is what he said to me. And I, I look back at this and I was like, I don't know what went through my brain to believe him. But he was like, oh, sometimes it means that the chemicals in your brain haven't evened out enough. So if we up the dose, then they tend to like even out a bit more. So maybe we need to switch you from 10 milligram Lexapro up to 20 and then you'll start to feel better. Okay. So I so did he, that. Okay. <laughs> and, All right. What happened? Yeah. I just got worse. It was just like. It was like I couldn't cry at all. I was like, as I said, it was like the blunting, like was so severe. I have never, ever, ever experienced this. Like it's so profound. It's almost like it, it would be the same as like going deaf. Like you, you just, you, your whole sense is just completely like someone has short-circuited my brain. Like it just was like the power went out. And I was just like walking around like completely aimlessly like this is this is not normal. So I went back to him and he he said to me, you know, so this is, and I'm paying him. He charges like $400 a consult. Uh, this this is getting expensive. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going back to him. I'm like this, um, I'm not coping. I ha- Like you said, that this was going to get better. I'm feeling worse. Like what should I do? And he just basically said to me, you know, I really think that you're just extremely anxious about the side effects because you have been for a long time and I really think you should up the dose. And I was just like, after that, I just left. I just left it. I was in shock and I was like, I need to. And that's when I like kind of was like, I need to get off this. Like I need to, um, like I'm not functional. I can't function at uni. I can't, like I can't work properly. I can't have, like I can't feel. Like you can't live. And then, um, yeah, he was just like, he basically was, he was no help at all. Well, the whole thing, you know, everything you were describing, he was just saying either one, you know, this is your underlying depression or two, you know, this is just your OCD. You know, there was no kind of assessment of like, mm. hey, you know, maybe this drug is not working for this person um, mm. at all. And, you know, that was just it was completely missed. Yeah, uh, it yeah. was almost like it was just like even when all of the evidence was there, it wasn't just missed. It was like actively dismissed. Like, no, mm-hmm. you can't be the drug it can't be the drug so like you know this and the excuse was always this works for other people so like you, you you're just imagining things i guess but um yeah it, i i ended up after that i was so upset because i was just like i like i was struggling so much at this point worse worse than any i was just like this is a whole new like whatever depression i had before was not even a problem like i just look back and i'm like all right I need to taper off this. I knew about tapering. I didn't really, only because I had done my placement in the psych ward and um, for nursing because I was studying nursing. I still am studying nursing, but I had just finished my mental health placement. So I knew that people when they came off these drugs had to taper, but I didn't really know. I I wasn't even given any instructions on like the importance of tapering. But yeah, basically I just did my own taper of like maybe two and a half months. I just went from like 20s down to 15s, down to 10s. I, I had some withdrawal, but not, from what I've heard other people describe, but it just, yeah, I basically stopped the medication and I was like, okay, it's been like five days. And then I messaged my cousin who's the pharmacist and she's like, oh yeah, like the medication is out of your system in a week. Like you should see a psychologist if you're still having these problems. And, and so are we like, talking like second half of 2020 now? Like, cause yeah. you, yeah. Roughly Sorry, I've right. gone a bit yeah. off 
So yeah, no, no, so no, because you said you started during the lockdown and then you got up to 20, and so I'm just assuming. Yeah, yeah. so I so, started in yeah. August 2020, yeah. and then I took it for – I was on 10 milligram for a bit, and then I was up to 20 as I was instructed, and then by the time I finished my taper, it was August to December 7th. I just took my last pill of Lexapro, and then all of these symptoms didn't go away. So now I have visual snow. Um, like my vision is just covered in static. Um, my ears still ring. Um, and I've kind of just gotten used to it. It's like, it's just like a, if I'm in a quiet place where there's no, like, like right now I can hear the fridge. So it kind of like gives me something, but if, if I'm on my own completely, I can just hear like high pitched ringing and like a hissing noise. Um, yeah, I have, my skin feels numb over my whole body. Like I just feel like completely dehumanized and I'm, it's been, yeah, I, I just was continuously told, just wait, it'll get better. Yeah, sometimes it just, you know, it just takes a few months to get And I was like, why are people being put on these drugs and not being told? You do realise if something goes wrong, it's going to take years to heal. Like I was never told that it's going to take months to return back to normal after I started. Otherwise, I would never have touched these drugs months, let alone I'm in my third year now. Like, but, yeah, it's um, it's 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 just really worrying because it's been so long and I feel like over time, like, you know, you try supplements, you try this, you try this, and, like, I just feel like I've gotten worse and worse and worse over time. And, yeah, now I'm just at a point where I'm, like, I just feel like this is so not a sexual problem. Like, this is completely messed up my entire nervous system. Like, I do not feel, like, I feel so depersonalised. I just am not... I'm not here. Like, it's just so bizarre. I feel like I've just, I've gone into like a trap door and I've gone through like a parallel reality. And it's like, I'm here, but it's like, I can't get back. That's what this drug has made me feel like. Like it just, and yeah, it's just bizarre that this can just persist for so long. And then obviously the longer it's gone on, the worse it's got. And I'm still, every time I've reached out for help, I feel like I've just been just, yeah, people don't understand about PSSDs. Well, yeah. Yeah. Talk about, talk. what's it like living with this and I guess dealing with a society and a medical system that has no idea what it is? You know, talk, us, talk well, to us about that. Like it's, for me, it's like you, you don't live with PSSD. Like you just exist. Like there's no, you're not living. You, you, where, whenever this happens to you, your life was put on pause whether or not it ever restarts will, deter- will be like if you ever get better from these symptoms. But you, you, yeah, you, you don't, you don't live. Like I just, I just like aimlessly go through the day, just like ticking off tasks, trying to find a way of how I'm going to get out of this. Like your whole life, it's like you've been trapped, and you're like, I need to get out. Like I need, I need to get out of this, and that's why my whole life has been now. You know, I had like a whole path and trajectory where I was going, and that's just completely done a one eighty because I. I'm just trying to do everything I can with the PSSD network as well to just try and find a way, try and find people that will take this seriously, recognise this and give us, like, you know, the proper research and hopefully one day treatments and that we require. But until then, like, yeah, you, you can't, you can't live. You can't, you can have relationships, but it's like, it's like you're you're literally operating. You're stuck in a glass box. Like I cannot even explain how much like everything's there, but you just can't. Your brain can no longer like hook onto things in the environment properly emotionally. Like even music sounds like scratchy, and it's like coming from 
further away. Like I can't feel the bass going like womp, womp, womp in my head anymore. It's just like I can hear it, but it's my thoughts don't feel like they're inside my head. My thoughts feel like it's like a transparent image. It's like, I don't know, a few metres away from me. It's just not, I'm not in here anymore. Like I don't feel like I'm in the driver's seat anymore. So it's just like, it's literally just torture. You just feel like you're being just enduring, unrelenting torture. Yeah, I mean, when I talked to Simon, he... He said it was like he lost one of his senses. He said, it that, is, yeah. you know, like, you know, we, we, we landed on sensory pleasure because he said the same thing. He goes, you know, music, which I used to love, you know, which would give me pleasure. You know, I'd put it on in the car and I'd feel good when I'd go on these long drives. He goes, I just sit there in silence now because it does nothing. Um, it, it's so hard to explain as well. Like, it's just, it's, yeah, it's like trying to explain to someone like, Obviously, like I've never touched acid, but it's like when people try to explain to me, this is what it feels like to be on acid, and I have no frame of reference to what that person is talking about. So they, they explain to me like, oh, shapes and this and this and this and this, and it's like unless you've experienced this personally, you can't understand that it's, you know, I've analysed every angle of my consciousness and my psyche, and I've come to the conclusion that this is 100% a hardware issue or like a chemical issue because there's just oh, yeah. no way that like the, the, you just can't. Yeah, it's, it's like someone's messed with the wiring and, and it's just changed things. And, I mean, another thing I've heard is like, you know, the sufferers will, you know, they'll hug their children or they'll hug their parents or their spouse and they feel nothing. You know, it's just like, nothing. like you know, where you would have that, you know, that right. sensation of pleasure mm. and affection, you know, when you would do that, it's just gone now. It's um, so weird. Yeah, it's there's no risk. There's no... It's like I think the most frustrating thing is like I'm mentally there and I want to experience these things because I know how good these things, like, you know, being like, you know, feeling love, feeling love towards your family, listening to music, having sex, like all of these things make you feel good and it's like you can do all these things but they've just ripped the pleasure out of them. So it's like it's it's mm-hmm. it's just like there's just there's just your life just becomes like your life's over, essentially. If this happens to you, like I, I just I say this all the time to the other sufferers, but I just don't understand how something can literally drop a nuclear bomb over your brain without doing any like, you know, noticeable damage that we've come across yet. But it just feels like, yeah, my whole nervous system was just nuked. And yeah, it was yeah. like short circuiting, like the power just went out and it's just Because yeah, like, you you would think, right, you know, with the you know, severity of your symptoms, you know, walking around in this dissociated state, you know, 24 seven, you're like, why isn't my mind more like shot to pieces? Like, why can I still think clearly? Yeah. You know, why, why, why isn't this global cognitive devastation, you know, to the mm-hmm. point where like, maybe I, you know, I can't even walk or something like that, you know, based on the severity of, you know, the mm-hmm. symptoms in the other parts. But, you know, you, you talk to David Healy and he, and he has these theories, he goes, you know, maybe it just has to do with certain, um, uh, uh, nerves, you know, the, you know the, the touch fibers and things like that, where you've just taken out, you've know, completely ruined one component of the nervous system, which is having you know, all of these effects. You know, whether it's the visual snow and the the mm. numbness that you feel on your body, and you know that lack of sensory pleasure. It's like whatever part of the nervous system that is. I mean, that's the one that's been isolated and damaged. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. and it's just like. Yeah, your, your your life is literally like I just can't believe that something can actually kill you whilst you're still alive. 
like mm-hmm. you like when this like yeah i haven't had a good day since this happened to me like my whole every day like it's not something that you know i think sometimes when people think of psd they might think like oh people might have some sexual problems and then they just forget about it during the day like it consumes 24/7 like it consumes you 24/7 like it just it's it's just constant all day every day and it's not even like i'm ruminating it's like the symptoms are like clouding my ability to think clearly and also they're just blocking me from being able to experience like any tactile sensation properly like all of it is just just it, yeah it's it's unbelievable like i'm my um my numbness in particular like my genital numbness is so bad now it just got worse and worse. Like after I stopped it, it wasn't that bad, but over time it's progressed. So, which is like really, really weird. And then certain supplements that you take can, you know, I've never reacted to anything in my life. I've never had any issues with any drugs, any supplements. I'm not one of those annoying people that just is like, oh, I've got an issue with this all the time. No, like I don't react to anything. But after I took Lexapro, like I can't even drink coffee without feeling more numb or like, so many things like it's almost like I've just become like hypersensitive to everything and I was never ever 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 like this before ever um but yeah like it's yeah it's just gotten to the point where my numbness is so bad I have no sensation when I'm peeing like I pee if I if I couldn't hear my pee hitting the water and I couldn't feel my bladder contracting I wouldn't know like I would like that's how bad it is it's like completely that's why I'm seeing a neurologist because it's it's the sensory issues are so profound. It's like, it's just unbelievable that like the most sensitive part of your body can just go completely numb and no medical tests can pick it up. Like, yeah, I don't know. And, and let me ask you this. Do you still, I mean, do you feel like raw emotions like anger and things like that or is, or is everything being flattened into just like, you know, one kind of mood state? It's just, yeah. yeah, it's it's just yeah. like I don't have a mood. I wake up, like there's no mood. I don't I don't have a low mood. I don't have a high mood. It's just like I wake up and how I feel when I wake up is going to be the same as how I feel at 1 p.m. is going to be the same as how I feel at, you know, 3 p.m. is going to be the same as how I feel. There's no emotion. There's no emotional. There's nothing. Like it is literally like the pharmacological version of like the Chinese water torture because it's just – constantly if you look at it from the outside like you might see someone with psfc and think oh i could deal with that for a day and then like you know as the drips go on it's making you go mentally mad because you just can't i just don't feel like it's just scary it's scary it's really scary yeah and it's just terrifying yeah it's it's just like I just want to feel normal like i just i wake up every day i say to my mom like i just want to feel normal like i just want to rewind so before I took this and I'm just like normal, but even like now, like I just, there's just, there's just nothing like. And so it's been, it's been approximately, I guess, three years now, you know, maybe a little bit less. And it mm. sounds like instead of the trajectory getting better, I mean, it sounds like it got worse and now it's stayed worse. I mean, yeah. I mean, is that, I would is, say is it, like, yeah. I don't know if it's stayed worse or if it's still getting worse because, you know, yeah, a year ago I could still feel when I peed and then, now it's nothing like it's you know I haven't, I haven't changed anything like it's just it, every day like i just noticed that it would feel less and less and less and then like yeah now it's just like i just feel like i'm literally just like dissolving into thin air 
because there's, there's, there's nothing. And I, it's, it's just like at the same time, I, I have all of my like, how is this happening? And I, I have all of my cognitive faculties. Like I'm able to express myself. I'm not like, it's, yeah, it's just almost like you're, it's like a sensory issue. Like your, your senses yeah. are all messed up. Yeah. As you said. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that drives people through the day is, um, you know, it's like that motivation, you know, to, you know, I'm going to get up and do this because I, you know, maybe I, you know, I'm afraid that if I don't do it, I'll get in trouble or, you know, maybe the yeah. pleasure of succeeding that. Do you, do you find that you struggle with motivation or, or you've had to learn new ways to make yourself do things? Because like mm. you said, you have no mood. You just exist in this kind of neutral mm. place. Could you, could you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So there's no motivation for anything like my only motivation is like I need to fix this or like I can't live like this anymore like I yeah I guess it's just like it's just the motivation to try and do everything I can with the PSSC network to try and get myself out of this because I feel like I'm literally trapped inside my own body and it's fucking terrible part of my French it's just like really terrifying and it's like yeah, like I don't have, in terms of like everything about me though, like everything that made me me before PSSD is just completely like gone. Like like all of my hobbies, all of my interests, it's just like all just gone and it's just like I feel trapped and I need to work with these people to try and get out. Like that's that's all I, that's all that goes through my head all day, every day. And it's like this is, this is not living at all. Like this is not normal for a 23-year-old to have to experience this. Like I had such a good life before this and I just wish I I appreciated it. But like, yeah, I just, this is just hell. Like there's no, there's no motivation to do anything. Like you just, yeah, you just wake up yeah. and just aimlessly just do random and- things, tick off tasks and hope that tomorrow there'll be something from David Healy or someone that will have news that's positive. Like that's all we live for it now. It's just that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, so t- t- take us forward now to your um, your interaction with this psychiatric mm. uh, the consultant that that uh, nearly sectioned you, or if you don't know what sectioned is, it, it's being uh, put into a psychiatric hospital against your will. Tell us, tell us about this interaction you had recently. So he he did section me, like he actually okay. did. Um, yeah. Basically, I was having a lot of problems at home with this. Um, as I said, like at the start, I still had some emotions. It wasn't like it was extremely blunted, but it was like I was just really scared, I think. Like I was just really, really frightened. And I'd get really like I'd have like a lot of arguments with my parents and stuff about this. Like this this literally just wrecked havoc in my house because I just wasn't functioning. My mom would be like, you need to get up. You need to do stuff. And I'm like, I, I, I can't. Like I'm not functional. Like you know, I know what it's like to be able to will yourself over the line, but this is different. Like something's not right. Um, and then, yeah, like eventually like our arguments and stuff at home started getting really, really bad. And then my mom's like, I think you need to like go and speak to, um, you know, a, 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 like a psychiatrist and stuff again. And that was what the doctor told me to do as well. So it was like. Well, l- let me ask you this before we go there. Give us some insights into how this um, puts, you know, strained your, your, um, your family life. Um, you know, what, like how, yeah. how, how, when, you know, you, you, you got this injury, how it like created just ripples through it and, and messed it up. What, what was it like for your parents dealing with you and you with them? They, I think the most frustrating part is that like they, at the start, they didn't understand that I'm right. Like they would just always think the professionals telling you that that's not real. 
so the professional is correct, not realize. And then that would just make me really upset because I was like, hang on, no, no, no. Like I'm, I'm being serious. My mom's like, you know, my, my cousin's a pharmacist and she's telling us like, oh, I can't do that. You know, I've taken Lexapro before. It doesn't, that doesn't happen. And then my mom's like, see, like you're overreacting. And then that would make me really upset because I was like, no, 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 no. Like I, I'm not overreacting. Like this is, this is really, really bad. But yeah, basically it just completely wrecked my family relationships. I've managed to like obviously rebuild them. And I am so lucky. Like I have the best parents in the world. Like I'm, I'm just really lucky with that. And I've got an amazing like supportive family, but at the same time, like it, it definitely like, yeah, what did really. It, yeah. What did it take for them to believe you eventually? I think just time for them to realize she hasn't like, she, I, I think it's, yeah, I think after starting stuff with the PSSD network, like working with the others and stuff and being really, really serious about this, I think my clicked for my parents and they were like, this is serious. Like this is a serious medical issue. Like uh, they, they're really like a lot more understanding now, but you know, if, if you're a parent and you're being fed information from professionals over, you know, a child that you're being told your child is just like delusional and has no idea what she's talking about, then, you know, they're kind of like, oh, maybe, you know, we should trust the professionals and their advice and stuff like that. But it, yeah, I think it, 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 it did take a lot of time for my parents to actually understand like, yeah, that this this is really really serious. Like yeah. they knew it was serious, but they they didn't realize this is a serious like medical issue. Like this is not this is not because of how I'm feeling. Like this is actually something has happened from that drug interacting with my nervous system. Whatever's happened, I don't know. But yeah, you know, and I hesitate to bring this up, but I, I do know that you know within the PSSD community that suicides do occur because of this. Yeah, and and one of the things that you know, I think could really get someone there is, you know, not having a support system that believes you at all, you know, and that second guesses you and sides with, you know, the experts and almost kind of, uh, you know, pressures you into getting, you know, getting on that track where you just get given more and more drugs for, you know, treatment resistant depression Mm -hmm. or something Mm -hmm. like that. I mean, that could really like, unless, unless your family stops and they believe you and, and and listen to you, I mean, that's a one way street to complete isolation and, Mm -hmm. you know, and I would get why someone would give up, you know, when they lose. Same. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I was very close to that, in fact. But, yeah, yeah like it, it's – there have been – I don't even know how many people would have ended their lives because of this. Like I, people that wouldn't even know that what they have is PSSD that would just think this is like they, – they wouldn't, they wouldn't even know what it is and they'd just think this is a me problem and, you know, they try and reach out for help. There is no help. Like we need, we need medical help and there's none, like there's no, there's no even understanding of what happened. And yeah, I've, I've never, ever, ever been closer to ending my life than until this happened. And to be honest, like I've never even, I never even, you know, even considered that as like an option. Even when I was like depressed and stuff like that, I always was like, it'll get better. Like things will get better. Like, but this, this is just like, because your life, is over. Like if this happens to you, your life literally is over. You can't have relationships. You can't, you can't listen to me. Like you're like, you kind of just feel like I'm a, like I'm an 85 year old in a hospital mm-hmm. room. That's just like, you know, I've lived my life and I feel really tired now. And then that's it. Like that's, 
that that's how a lot of people feel. It's just like I'm just finished, and and, and it's like it, that's so abnormal. Like I have to remind myself. Oh yeah. I'm like I'm 23 I'm, like this is the complete opposite to vitality I'm supposed to be in the prime of my life like partying with my friends and I'm literally stuck in this really abnormal state it's just insane yeah. I think you've just described what it's like to live a life with without emotions and without joy and you know you know anticipating you know good feelings that would come with doing activities and it's all gone um, that's but- exactly no you hit the nail on the head there's no anticipation emotion like there's no oh i'm anticipating i'm excited to go on holiday i'm you know excited to have sex i'm excited to do this there's no anticipation so like you just everything just stops and then it's just like you're not living at all like i feel like i haven't lived in so long like yeah yeah and and so let's so okay so you had this situation with this um, with your family. You guys were kind of getting into it, and then yep. they kept on pressuring to go see a, a psychiatrist. T- tell us what happened. Basically, I like the the plan was to have like a family meeting because my situation was so bad at home, and just I was just ringing my mum every two seconds for like just constantly asking like, "Am I going to be okay?" Like I was I was so scared, and even to this day I still am. But it was just like. I just knew like something wasn't right and then to be told that you're fine and stuff and yeah, I was just it was getting out of hand and I would get angry when my mum wouldn't be there because I was just like, You you made me take this. Like, you know, uh, it wasn't my mum, but it was just like pressure from kind of everyone to it was just so normalized, just get on antidepressants. Like everyone was just trying to minimize the risk so much, just make it such a normal thing and then something like this happens and that they're like, Well, well, well don't come to me. And I've noticed that as a pattern, it's like you know, whoever tells you that you should take these drugs, like they are the first ones to run for the hills if something goes wrong. And and that's what I was really frustrated with because I was just like, how come it's so easy for people to encourage people to get on them and then when something goes wrong, they're like, well, don't come. Yeah, don't, don't come back to me. I don't know. And, th- and that's what I was getting angry about. So I went to a psychiatrist review with like, you know, my parents and basically the doctor there was like, oh, the medication's out of your system. Like, you stopped taking it. This is like, you stopped taking it six months ago. This was maybe, yeah, two years ago now. They're like, you stopped taking this a long, long time ago. It's, it's you know, it's not, he basically said, it's not possible for, you know, side effects. Like, you, that that doesn't happen. And, and then I was just like, I knew that it, like, I just knew. And then, yeah, it, he basically was like, I was getting really, really just like scared and like concerned at this point. And then, yeah, he basically pulled me into another room with, like, another mental health nurse and was like, what do you think about, you know, taking Lutida? And I was like, do you mean, like, mm-hmm. Lorazidone? And I was mm-hmm. just like, I was just thinking in my head of, like, you know, the people in the psych ward that were putting on Lorazidone. I was just why the hell do you want to put me on Lorazidone? Anyway. Um, oh, because yeah. you're psychotic, clearly, you know, that's, you know. I was just, I just had, like, yeah. Yeah. Like mental flashbacks to that, to like yeah. the, the behavior of people that, you know, that, and, and like the delusions and hallucinations that they were experiencing to like need to require that drug. And I was just thinking, like, why? Like, I'm not taking lorazodone. And he was like, you know, it's a really, really good drug. Like, it can really help you. It's going to calm all of this stuff down. And I was like, calm this stuff down. I was like, I couldn't be like, any more blunted and you're going to put me on something that's going to like just completely erase the last bit of dopamine that I have left in my yeah, brain. Like, not, not, not to mention, you know, 
causes permanent movement disorders in 5% of the people per year, you know, so, uh, you know, tardive dyskinesia, so, you, you know, your mouth twitches. I mean, it's nuts. Yeah. And I was just, yeah, like, it, that was just completely ignored and they were just like, so basically, like, the, the way I perceive the situation is they're like, well, you know, he basically then said to me, you know, if you don't take this on, like, these, this, like, what's been happening lately with your family and everything, it's, like, getting really bad. If you don't take this voluntarily, we're, I hate to do this to you, but I'm going to have to do something to make you take it involuntarily. And that's when I just flipped out and I was like, no, see you later. You know what? This review is just like a waste of my time. I didn't come here for this. I came here to get help. You're not helpful. Like, see you later. And then as I went to like leave, they're like, you can't leave. And I was like, I beg your pardon. And they were like, they were like, no, you need to come back here and talk to us, please. And I was just like, here we go. So I went back in and I spoke to them and they were just like, you know, like you're so, they just kept telling me and I was like, you know, really upset at this point. And like, I had like, I don't, I don't really cry at all anymore. Like I don't really feel my emotions if it's like extremely overwhelming and intense, but I was like teary at this point. I'm really upset, like extremely upset. And I was angry because I was like, how dare you do this to me? Like, I was just so, I was just so angry that I like, I've been harmed. I've come back to you because like, you know, I wanted like the anti-venom. I was like, this has completely blunted me. Can you please give me something to bring me back to life? And there was just no there was just no consideration for how I was feeling. He basically was just like, you know, we can't let you leave and stuff. And then, yeah, it, it started to escalate. And I was like, you're not doing this to me. And then he was like, oh, and then I was just like crying. I was like, no, I'm not. And then it got, yeah, it, it got really bad. And every time that I would get more upset, I feel like he was using that as ammunition to like prove his point that, see, she is really distressed. She's delusional. Like rather than actually, like like it was almost like I feel like every like all my feelings were just being manipulated against me in that situation. And then that's when he was like, "Yeah, okay, let's call like the let's call like the ambulance and the police." And I was really upset and I was like screaming at my mum. I was like, "Please do not let them give me like they're gonna give me stuff." My mum didn't understand this, but I'm just trying to explain to her they're gonna give me something because I I knew about PSSD at this time and I'd done a lot of research into it. But I was just thinking these guys are going to give me something that is completely contraindicated for someone with my condition and it's going to completely wreck my life more than it already is. And sorry, stop. And, yeah, um, and, um, yeah basically I called my friend straight away and she gave me like really good advice and she was like, just whatever you do, just stay as calm as you can and just go in there and, um, yeah, just sit down, sit, sorry. Um yeah, she just basically was like, just stay as calm as you can and just go in there and just try and explain your situation to someone else. Luckily, I knew, like, as I said, like, after doing that placement, like, about second opinions and stuff like that. So yeah. when I was sectioned, I straight away went into the, um, I straight away went into the psych ward and I was just like, I want a second opinion before anyone gives me any medication. I'm like, I want a statement of my rights. Like, I want to have a look at everything that I'm entitled to you know, like all the, like just, I need to see like what my options are at this point because I'm not taking this rubbish. That, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm not taking, I'm not, I'm not taking this. No. Like, and basically, yeah, they, yeah, they basically said to me that um, when I got in there, they, they just said, you know, we can give you a second opinion, but it'll have to be in a couple of days. So they're just giving me benzos in there to calm down. And I didn't, <laughs> just like, okay. 
Like it's just the whole thing was just like, a, as I said, it's just a train wreck. And and then you know, like, but, I, yeah, I was going to say, you know, I I like horror movies. You know that that's <laughs> that's my genre. And when I think about what happened to you, like you walked into a horror movie. I, I could not imagine like yeah. something more like, like how is this my life happening? I like, you know, one, you're arguing with your parents and they're not believing you. And then you go there and they start threatening you saying, you know, one, you can't leave. We don't believe you. And essentially what they're, they're saying is we're going to go and petition a drug. So we, uh, a judge, so we can start drugging you against your will with any psychotic medications because we just think you're nuts. And I, mean, I know. It's like, we'll just throw yeah. you in the loony bin. That'll solve it. Yeah. Rather than yeah. like, hang on. Like, it's like, there's just way too much. Like, yeah, that they, they just always, it, this is what frustrates me the most. And I think a lot of PSSD patients would have the exact same scenario is like, and obviously not yourself because you're a nice understanding psychiatrist, but oh, a, lot yeah. of psychiatrists, yeah, sure. a lot of psychiatrists that we've come across, yeah. like, would much rather blame the patient for the symptoms rather than take responsibility for like what the drugs they're giving them are causing. And and that's like, this was just like an extreme scenario where like they just, they were just so adamant that their drugs don't do this, that they'll make up something about me that wasn't true and put it on that and put me in danger of, you know, as you said, 5% of people get persistent movement disorder. And then yeah. let's just fast forward as well. Like, I'll just finish this story because I feel like I'm rambling. But basically, um, yeah, I explained my situation to the second psychiatrist. She was, like, really lovely. She was a lot more understanding. And my parents only told me this recently, but apparently after my review with her, which was, like, two years ago, she called my parents and she was like, I don't know why he wrote psychosis on her. Like, I'm not seeing that at all. Like, I think there's been, like, a misunderstand, like something's not right. But basically she was like, well, I can't, I don't know what the laws are, but she was like, I can't give you a transfer to the community unless we know that you're taking another medication. And she was like, you need to treat your anxiety and you need to treat. And then I was like, I told her the thing and I was like, I can't have anything that's going to cause like the sexual side effects in particular. I was like extremely distressed about it at the time. And then she gave me a pamphlet for um, busbrone, metazapine, and um, valdoxin, and she was like, none of these cause sexual side effects. And I was like, well, I know the first two do because I've seen them. I've seen people on mm-hmm. the forum. Like, So in the end I was like, okay, I'm just going to have to take valdoxin and just hope for the best because – and then they were just like, it has no effect on serotonin, melatonin. And I was like, okay. Like, I just was like, I need to agree to something in order to be able to get out of here. So I took Valdoxin and that drug had a complete paradoxical effect on my sleep. Like, I know that's supposed to help you sleep, but I felt like I had done, like, really hardcore stimulants. I was just laying in bed. I slept, like, I was on it for, like, three days whilst I was in there and um, or two days probably. But, yeah, I, I basically felt like, my eyes would just shake open. I was just like laying there, just trying to just think about how am I going to get out of this psych ward? Like this is massive. And yeah, my eyes would just shake open and I'd just look at the wall and I'm like just clock watch. And then, you know, they'd come to me in the morning. They're like, how are you feeling this morning? How are you going? I'm like, I feel so good. Like, thank you so much for looking after me. Like I'm feeling way oh my better. God, you straight up had to, you know, act to get <laughs> yeah. out of there. Just pretend like, that feels- you were. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I feel so, I was like, I'm really sorry that this has been like a big misunderstanding. Like, I feel, 
I just feel so much better and like, yeah, you guys have been really great. How do I get out of here? <laughs> like I just like, yeah, it was, it was it's really like, it's, it's like so yeah. twisted and dark, you know? I mean, yeah. It's-, it's just really like, and I was just, yeah. I remember my dad picked me up and I got in the car and I was just, I remember I was just like silent, like so much of the car trip home. Cause I was just thinking like, I like, sorry to like, this is a lot of information, but I'm going to have to top myself because I, I've tried to reach out for help. I've tried so many avenues. My GP doesn't take me seriously. Psychiatrists don't take me seriously. I have an option of either living this life that's just like hell and torture or like just not being here at all. And I was like, I just, this is just so like, this is just so messed up. Like my life is so good and it's just been completely just, destroyed by Alexa Pro and no one believes me. And I'm just thinking like, you know, if, there, if only there was a, like, I don't want to not be here. Like I love my life. I love my family, but like these symptoms just make me like unable to interact with the world properly. And yeah, it's, it, it's just really, it's just really bad. I just feel like I'm constantly trapped behind glass and I'm just, yeah, there's no help. There's, there's nowhere for us to go if you have this. Yeah. Well, let, let me, I want to take a moment to actually show the medical records, which you shared yeah. before, because I think, I mean, I, I you know. Oh, they might have my name on them. Oh, no, okay. All good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'll, I'll go down okay. here. So, um, and so it looks like just first name. So. Okay. No, it has okay. my address at the top. I was like, please don't show the world where I live. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, a couple of things you highlighted here. I mean, the main highlights, are, you know, Rosie has a f- has has been fixated to a delusional intensity around her sexual side effects, um, you know, and then firm fixed delusional belief about medications causing side effects, impression, delusional disorder with significant health anxiety and OCD and comorbid depressive symptoms. It's just like not even considering like for a second that, uh, you know, this is actually like a legitimate side effect. I mean, I mean, essentially you're written off as just being hysterical, you know, yeah. that, that, you know, this was a manifestation of your mind. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, that's like so grim. Um, that's just so wrong. And as I said, like, I'm, you know, like I'm just one person, like I can't even explain. And, and I, I got out, like I was lucky. I had horrible side effects from Valdoxin for a while, but you know, after I stopped taking it, like it went, like it went away, but like some some people have been harmed even worse. Like they, they couldn't get out of the antipsychotic situation and that they they probably or some of them may have even ended up ending their lives. Like I I can't even explain just how dark this situation is and like a lot of us are just young, healthy people. Like it's so it's just it, it, the whole thing is just so wrong. Like in ev- on every level, like it yeah. Check check this out as well. I'm I'm just bringing this up because yeah. again, I think it just like adds to just how like sick things can get. You know that you can buy this like patch that you could mm-hmm. stitch onto your bag or something from Etsy. That's like, you know, live, laugh, Lexapro. I mean, it's that whole like, let's let's cheerlead everyone onto taking these medications. Just tell them that there's no risk at all, and mm-hmm. just um, I don't know. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, leading to these devastating problems. So. Yeah. Um, and I think the thing is, though, people, a lot of people don't even 
know that this can happen or if they do hear about it, they just think it's like extremely rare and like, you know, like, yeah, I, yeah, a lot of people just don't. They're, they're just so out of touch with what can actually go wrong with these missions and it's, it's really, really scary. Yeah, no, Rosie, I haven't kept up with the TGA. You know, I, I know that um, at least um, the EMA now has a special warnings and precautions for persistent sexual dysfunction. I mean, the language could be better, but at least it's in there. Same with Health Canada. Any whiff yeah. of that in Australia that they're at least recognizing it to the, and putting it in drug labels? No, and I've actually, speaking of which, I should have sent you this email before, but I actually did go to the pharmacy. I went to Chemist Warehouse recently and I asked them for a leaflet of Lexapro. This was like a month ago, so not that long ago. Um, and, and there was absolutely nothing on that leaflet that would have even alerted you to the fact that side effects could even persist after stopping the medication. Um, there was just nothing. And and speaking of which, I was told to report my symptoms to, to report my reaction to the TGA and also because like then I reported it to Sandoz and I, I put in a report to the TGA. I never heard anything back. So there was like no follow-up or anything. But then to when Sandoz, I reported it. They, they yeah, get so, in touch with you? Yeah. So Sandoz. So then I spoke to a pharmacist and this is like, this is what irritates me so much is because I spoke to a pharmacist for like half an, I don't know. He called me. I spoke to him for like half an hour on the phone. I explained to him in detail the exact symptoms that I have from taking Lexapro and how long I've been off it for and that I haven't taken any medication, but like it was like the drug induced these symptoms that I now have to like live with, which is like not livable. And basically he said to me after 30 minutes of our conversation, he's like, Oh, well maybe you just need to try a different one. You know, they all work different for different people. And I was like, like, is this the reporting system? Like, do they realize that young people are ending their lives? Like this is so serious and it's just being written off as like, it's just not, it's just not like a, it, it's not important. Like it, it, it just. But it's also like not their role. I mean, it's like you're here to do an analysis of an adverse yeah. reaction, not, not encourage me to get on a new medication knowing nothing about me. Um, so even something about that smells like really off, you know, in terms of like what they were doing. It was just like, he just said, you know, like if this, if, you know, sometimes it takes a few goes to get the right one. And I was like, I feel like the trigger was already pulled on the second go. Like this has killed me. Like this drug has like, I, they, like, you know, even that in itself, like, oh, it can take a few different drugs to find the right one. And it's like, yeah, like you, you don't, un, like if this happens to you on the second one that you try or the third one, like there's no coming back right now. We don't have any, we don't have any solutions. And then even to know that I've been harmed and then just dismiss it and be like, oh, well, I'll just take something else. Like yeah. get over it. There's I've I've literally, yeah, as I said, I've exhausted, I have tried everything in my power to get in touch with as many people as possible. And it's just been like sorry. Like yeah. No, tell tell me this, Rosie. I mean, has any you know, I know a lot of people in the community they'll try different interventions and medications and supplements and stuff like that. Does anything help, or at least in your experience? Nothing helps. Like yeah. nothing touches it. Literally, the the only thing is like I've, yeah, gotten worse over time, and I don't know if it's interventions or just progression of whatever this disease is. But like honestly, in terms of windows, like no, 
I don't get windows. Like nothing touches this. It's just, it's just really, yeah. Like I've tried antibiotics. I've tried so many things and so, yeah, nothing, yeah. nothing touches it. Okay. So tell us a little bit about the PSSD network. What are you, what are you doing with them at the moment? What are, what are the goals of the organization mm-hmm. and all of that? So myself and some others, kind of got to a point where we've just had enough. <laughs> we just don't, like, mm-hmm. it's, it's wrong. It's just straight up wrong that anyone is like, you shouldn't have to suffer in silence about this, especially because it's a sexual problem and people are like, you know, if you're on social media nowadays, if I made a post about how I've struggled with depression and that I've decided to take medication and I'm feeling so much better, I feel oh, like yeah. I'd be con- yeah, congratulated, yeah. like, you're a hero, like, go you. But if you go on social media or anything now and you say, look, this happened to me with this drug and people need to be careful. It's like, well, you shouldn't be scaring people out of taking these drugs. And it's like. What's that about <laughs> from your perspective? I mean, I have my own thoughts on it, but what, mm-hmm. what do you think, where do you think all that bias comes from? That you, I think you it comes from like this deep sense of, I think people are honestly just deeply disturbed that they're potentially taking something that could do this to them. Like I, I reckon because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, and I also think, like, people are really scared that these drugs are going to get taken off the market and that they're not going to be able to cope without them. I, I don't know. Like, maybe it's I, – I, I don't understand, but people are just really, like – I also have been – like, I think also as well, I spoke to one of my friends. She also has PSSD, and she made, like, a really good point about this. But, like, when you when you take – a drug like it becomes part of you like it literally dissolves into your body so i feel like some people take it as like an, a personal attack on them like if you criticize a drug it's like you're criticizing a part of me i don't know i, I just think that could be the psychology behind some of it but it's really really bizarre that people like yeah it's it's just it's really like it, the psychology behind it is really really weird that like people are, like just weren't trying to stop us from just talking about our like experiences with this and even even on forums like you know the antidepressants forum um is like heavily moderated and heavily like the, the moderators on there like if you post about pssd on there like they'll go in and they'll try and like minimize it. Like there's this one person on there that I think he or she like runs the antidepressants forum and like constantly will just try and like, it's rare. It's, it's nothing. It's, you know, and and it's just like, we, we can't even get this information out to, to people without people just being like, no, your experiences are rare. Go away. We don't want to hear about you. Like, and and that's like, well, (laughs) I yeah, I bet I'm you they, they they write they write you off as someone who has an agenda, some anti-med agenda, where you just like, you know, you you know have some kind of like personal belief that you know you pull yourself up by your bootstraps or something like that. But it's like, I but mean, it's so it's not. Like, how, how would yeah. that even be the case though? If I took meds, I know, I know, but they like, don't that care. Make you know, they just sense. they just kind of cast you as this, you know, this Scientologist. You know, as a yeah. as soon as you start complaining about these things, you're someone who's you know, yeah. who, who's just trying to shove their opinions down other people's throats, you know, and they have an agenda and, and you're dangerous. You know, that's the other thing. You're a dangerous person because you're making it harder for people with, you know, with depression, you know, to, to access treatment. And how dare you do that? You know, when you're just trying to say, hey, guys, if I, kn- if, if I knew what 
I knew now when I started the medication, I would have thought really hard before getting on it. And you're trying to share that and they're just, they want none of it. Mm. It's just, I, I think like, I, I don't like, you, even if someone's depressed, you, you can't deceive someone about what's got like what you're giving them, what's going into their body and just like sugarcoat it. And just like, I don't care if the person's like extremely depressed or, you know, people should not be deceived and like it's totally like illegal to not tell someone about the potential harm like you know what's happened to us just is the most violating thing I have ever ever experienced and continue to experience every single second of every day of my life and as I said like I don't that I've just come to the conclusion that like people just some people are just not going to understand and like I can't change that but we can't suffer in silence and just just tiptoe around the fact that our lives have been completely ruined just to make someone else feel comfortable like I can't function in my life like we need help like we're not here to and and that's another thing is like we're not calling for the cessation of SSRIs off the market like we want research and treatment for PSSD like I, I don't really care what anyone else's agenda like my agenda is to get my life back and same yeah. with everyone else that has this and like it's just it's just crazy how many like obstacles and hurdles we have to jump through just to get help like it's insane yeah so um i mean my my goal is to make sure as many people hear about this as possible i'm going to probably do an introduction <laughs> to this video where i just you know, put it in their faces, you know, that this is now labeled risks, you know, in the EMA in Canada and that it's breaking just so, you know, it, there is no doubt that at least, you know, authoritative medical bodies have now, you know, actually finally come to accept that things like this can happen. Um, so, but even then, yeah, it's just, yeah. I, I think the issue is with that though, is like, I see a trend of doctors being like, okay, yes, it can happen, but it's rare. And then it's like there's still going to be so many people thinking that it's super rare, that it will never happen to them. All right, it's fine. I'll take an antidepressant. It will happen. And they're not even being properly informed. Like I actually reckon this is really like we don't have any proper like prevalence statistics to like to be able to properly inform someone like this is how common it is and like, yeah, there's so many doctors that I come across, especially on Twitter, that are like, I've given these to tens of thousands of patients and I've never seen any of this. And it's like, how would you know that? Like, you probably never asked. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. I just, I just, I just, I Well, they didn't, I they don't recognize it. it. Yeah. You know, someone comes in and, you know, they're too nervous to talk about the sexual dysfunction. So they just say, yeah. oh, I feel nothing. And they go, okay, treatment resistant depression. Let's sign you up for some mm-hmm. antipsychotic um so, yeah. well, Rosie, let's bring this to a conclusion now. So, mm. you know, where we started off, and I don't know if we recorded this, is, you know, you're in the U.S. now because you can't find anyone to help you get, you know, a diagnostic on this. You've just done some biopsies for small fiber neuropathy, which seems yeah. to be a promising lead in terms of, you know, where the site of the pathology may be. And uh, I guess at this point, yeah. you're, you're waiting You're waiting for your results and and. And and maybe with this piece of evidence, you know, if it turns out that you do have uh, damage of the small nerve fiber, fibers to a significant degree, I mean, at least that will, I don't know, maybe be more compelling to people if you could say, hey, look, actually, here's the lesion. Um, and I, I just, yeah. my biggest fear that, like, I, yeah, I'm hesitant to 
even say this because I just I, I know some people have tested negative to this. So I don't I don't know if this is going to lead yeah. anywhere at this point. I, I can't say that like you know pe- there have been some people that test positive. There have been some people that test negative. So I just thought I'll just get it checked. Like I am at my wit's end. I can't I can't deal with this anymore. I don't, yeah, as I said, like I don't I don't know. I don't know, it might come back completely negative and then I'm going to be back to square one and I'm going to be like, well, where do I go from here? Because I don't I don't know. But at the same time, like, I just feel like, yeah, I'm just, yeah, I, I just thought I would just check whatever I can and do what I can to just try and, because, yeah, they, I can't believe they don't do biopsies in Australia, but that's a, yeah. they should. And from, from your experience, you know, being well integrated in the community, what's the prognosis like for something like this just from the people that you that you talk to? Um, I don't want to say that people don't get better because I have heard of people having like windows and some people recovering, but then I think every single case is so different. Like mm-hmm. I just given what I've experienced, like I have had no improvements in the past two years and uh, three years nearly. And like I have progressively gotten worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and yeah i i don't like the look of my prognosis but i just want to know like what happened to my body because i I, i'm at the point where i'm like i don't really know you know from like a treatment perspective if that's it i don't even think that's possible for me just given what i'm experiencing but i just want to know what happened to my body like i'm just i just want to know now yeah fair enough okay yeah well well Rosie, thank you for sharing. I mean, okay. I mean, what what really is like? I mean, it's a it's a horror story, you know. Is is when I think about kind of what happened to you at the psychiatric hospital, and and you know, for being brave enough to come and talk about this, Sorry. I think it's going to make a huge difference for anyone else that unfortunately finds them themselves on a similar path. You know, to just know that they're not alone, and and you know that the things that they're experiencing are normal, and and maybe even hopefully for the parents of this other person so they could watch someone who's not that other person share a very similar story and yeah. hopefully believe them sooner. Yeah. People, people just like you, people just don't make this up. Like, like there's no merit in telling people that your genitals are numb. Like there's no, you, you don't get sympathy for that. Like people don't really care if you wanted to lie about your health, like you'd pick something else, like, not oh, this. Yeah. People yeah. don't, yeah, people, and, and also, like, people people know their own bodies. Like, people people know, like, how you're supposed to function sexually. Or oh, some people don't because they didn't grow up with it because they were put on these drugs so young. But, like, it, it, it's just such a profound change that, like, yeah, there's, there's definitely something physical that's happened, but it's just finding out what it is and that's what, us as the PSSD network, like we just want to raise awareness for this and get as much research into this condition as possible to try and find out what this drug did to us. Because yeah. as I said, like some of us, a lot of us took SSRIs and were completely fine and then took them again or came off them and got this. So I don't think there's any like, I think it's honestly just by random chance whether or not you're going to, yeah. And that's the most, I mean, that's the frightening thing about this. You know, there's 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 no risk factors that have been identified no. to say, hey, you're high risk for this or you're going to be okay. When you take that medication, I mean, I mean, there's, there's a chain, you know, there's, there's a bullet in the chamber and you essentially spin because, I mean, you don't know 
whether that's going to happen. And, you know, in your case, within the space of, you know, essentially like a day or a week or something mm-hmm. like that, I mean, you'd, you'd already had neurological damage. Yeah. 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 It yeah. just like, yeah, it, um, yeah, it just, it was just instant. But yeah, no, that's what our whole lives now. We're just trying to find solutions to this and just try and work out what happened to us because we just like, we don't want to be left in the dark anymore. We want to know what happened to our bodies. Like we have a right to know. So yeah. Yeah. Well, Rosie, I want to say thanks again. And you know, I'm going to, you know, uh, sending you my, my best, you know, I'll be thinking about you and just hoping you're recovering and please reach out at, at any point. Okay. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you want to see the full video interview, we also post these to YouTube. Just go to Wittering Psychiatry on YouTube to find those. You'll also find several YouTube exclusive videos from Drs. Yosef and Marissa posted several times a week. Finally, if you need help with your drug taper, getting a second opinion, or managing your post-acute withdrawal, come visit us at WittduringPsychiatry.com. Our sole focus is on helping patients regain control of their lives and achieve optimal mental health on as little medications as possible.